0: What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate, I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 53, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episodes, Jolinar's Memories, and The Devil You Know. And you can find us on Google Play Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify Podcasts, and on Google Play Podcasts and Spotify, Spotify Podcasts. Presumably there is a method where you can perhaps engage with the ever thinking matrix and indicate your extreme preference for our humble little offering. Uh, We don't know. Um, But on Apple podcasts, there is definitely the ability to rate and review. Thank you so much for the people that have taken the time to put in some ratings. And also thank you for uh, a little, we're going to have a little present here a little bit, uh, Zach, somebody, uh, uh, somebody gave us a little review. Indeed. You know, you know, we said we do.
1: We would give it a dramatic, should we do that right now, Brent? We, We can. We All can. right, let's do that. Do you let's want to, do that do you right, want to just dive now. right in. Yep, yep. Okay.
0: okay. Okay. So, so here's the dramatic recreation of our most recent rating. Ready? Here we go. All right, here we go. The SG-1 team go through the Stargate and find themselves in a strange new world.
1: What's this? It's the best Stargate podcast the we have to offer!
0: Be led through thoughtful analysis of more profound episodes as well as well-deserved criticism of the not-so-thoughtful ones as Zach and Brent plot the Catherine Power scale, discuss the feline nature of wormholes, peculiar pop culture history, strange relationships of kung fu the legend continues, the serene beauty of Blurgish Columbia, your position in the new world order... Sorry, never mind too much, got to move along.
1: I give this podcast... Seven aqua... Uh, seven? Chevrons! Indeed! The best Stargate podcast! Shanks, Zach and Brent! Shanks!
0: So, Zach and I, before we hit record, said that, you know, I, I was typing this thing out, and I was trying to figure out who, who could play who which characters, and as we were just doing it right now, Zach, I realized that it probably didn't sound like
1: anything... <laughs> like the
0: people that we were intending you know to. what
1: who cares if you don't <laughs> yeah. tell them what we were intending they will just enjoy what they're given oh
0: I see I see well uh, you know uh, who knows if I'll have time to actually gussy this thing up and maybe um, you know maybe add some like birds chirping or you know like mm-hmm. wind going through the trees or you know maybe there, explosions there in the background or something some, I don't some, know I'll
1: something be. British Columbia ideal, ideal yeah like, something there
0: you go wolves howling maybe wolves howling There
1: you go.
0: or a rock slide sure i i don't know i don't know anyway okay <laughs> so anyway thank you so much for that review uh and again the offer stands if you put in a review on um apple podcasts <laughs> we, will, we um, will read it We will read it and uh if uh you know and we'll, we'll try to get we'll get creative we swear on a stack of things We'll get creative. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, so, Zach, um, yes. uh, if somebody wants to let us know <clears throat> how that dramatic reading should have went, um, uh, yeah. th- there's probably a good way for them to do that. What, how would that be?
1: What would that well, be? Well, you know, the best way to tell us how the dramatic, dramatic reading should have gone is to email us at, uh, what is it, Brent?
0: Uh, Mg at Nicklaw.
1: Yes, which is m o c dot l i a m g at e t a g r a t s e h t h g u o r h t g n i k l a w.
0: Mm hmm. Moke, Liam at edda
1: gra Or you can find us on Twitter at Stargate <laughs> Walking. Or on Facebook at Walking Through the Stargate. Uh, we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. All of those are places you can tell us how our dramatic recreation should have gone. Or oh, anything else that is Stargate-related or Stargate-tangentially connected I, to.
0: I feel really bad for that person who is listening to this podcast for the first time right now. And they're like, what? <laughs> what? What is going on? Okay. What is this thing? <laughs>
1: So, so just to bring in you, new listener, who is listening to episode 53, and this is the first podcast that you were listening of us. Last mm-hmm. time, I now <laughs> I don't remember why or how, but uh, I said that I would read the email backwards. And so yeah. that is what we did. Yes. Um,
0: so take your so time, get all the letters yeah. down, and then flip it.
1: Yep, yep. And you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yep. Okay, Brent. Um, yes. In addition to all of us, we got an email this week From Arnok. Oh, yeah. Okay. um, Hello, Arnok. About uh, past and present, which was last week's episode. Mm, Yes. And he tells us that, uh, you know, in last week's episode, we were uh, discussing the inconsistency of uh, uh, the timing of the Vorlicks and and winter and all of those things together. Yes. Right. And so he says uh, the Vorlicks. Uh, occurred nearly a year ago, and yet the Viands were worried about winter, which presumably had already passed. Uh, I would like to, that was us. Uh, he says, mm. I would like to counter this observation by noting that despite the prolific independent evolution of English and northeastern Amer- North American ecosystems on other planets, not all those <laughs> planets have the same orbital period as Earth. Even if the Vorlex happened about one Earth year before this episode, it is entirely possible that one Vian year has yet to pass. And I can't argue with that so. fine,
0: fine, fine, so then so then we could just extend it further to say that that they were actually located in a tropical zone of this particular planet, and they didn't need to worry at all. All they had to do was just get outside the city barriers and then pluck their food from the trees
1: ah uh, that that that's a, another possibility. <laughs>
0: In any case. Well, thank you, Arnacht, for that, uh, for that helpful insight. Uh, yes, uh, it, it's one thing that—it's it, kind of the same thing that happens in a lot of sci-fi. Well, I mean, it's kind of the same thing as everybody speaking English. Days, Periods of time, you know, it's, it's kind of rare whenever a television series planet seems to, like, make special mention of passages of time that differ from our, you know, our heroes. So, right. you know.
1: And then it gets really weird when occasionally they do make reference to it, and they're like, "I'm going to give you seven of your Earth standard minutes. Earth, Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Gee, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Is that a lot or a little to you? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Well, okay. no, actually, that's 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 far too that's far too little time. That's like six seconds. So you need to give us more, like 365 of our standard.
1: There F-tades. you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Okay, so Brent, we better mm-hmm. get on this because this yes, is a big one. Yes, there's a
0: lot in here.
1: Uh, okay, so Jalinar's Memories and The Devil You Know were both directed by Peter DeLuise. This is his fifth and sixth episode he's directed this season. They were mm-hmm. actually filmed simultaneously, so it was all filmed at one time. Yeah, gotcha. Um, uh, some of his previous episodes this season include Legacy, Point of View, Demons, and Forever in a Day. He ah, yeah. has got just one more credit this season, and then we'll see him all over the place for the next seven years. So, uh, Zach, I've
0: lost here. my place. Where are we at in season three? What episode are we on?
1: Uh, what episode is this? This is episode. Uh, uh, I had it written down. Uh, is it like ten or eleven? So, oh, it's twelve and thirteen. There it is. Oh.
0: Boy, I was right pretty darn close. So, so we're, we're about we're, midway through, yeah?
1: We are about a little bit more than midway through. If gotcha. If I were okay. to pull up.
0: Uh, eh, I'm, I mean, I was just trying to get yeah. my bearings as to how, you know, you know, we, I've seen yeah. Peter's name a lot, and now it'll, I'll go a while, or, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe right. it'll be next week. Who knows? Whatever. He's got one more so, left this season.
1: One more. There are 22 episodes in this season. And so we're we're on 12 and 13, so we're just a little bit past halfway. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, The teleplay for Jolinar's Memories is by Sonny Wareham and Daniel Stashour. This Mm -hmm. is their only writing credit for SG-1. Hmm. Uh, And so as I looked for Sonny Wareham, the only thing I could discover is that he wrote this, uh, uh, this episode, and that's it. Interesting. I couldn't, I couldn't find any clear information about what else Sonny did You know, uh, beyond I, this episode. I don't,
0: I don't want to get us on a tangent, but part of me is wondering, you know, we've had a couple of these moments where I think where, you know, the person that is involved in the creation of a particular episode just seems to like pop up, do a thing and then disappear. I wonder, uh, you know, I wonder if Sonny Wareham is like a pen name. Like, you know, it's actually somebody else, but like, you know, the, the people that are entering in data in IMDb, it's like, yep, Sonny, where I'm. And nobody has connected this person to, I don't know, this, I it's just that, a thought.
1: Yeah, I don't, it, it's certainly possible. I do have a little bit more information about Daniel Stashauer. Mm, okay. Uh This is also his only uh, SG1 credit. Uh, mm-hmm. He is an American author and editor of mystery fiction and historical nonfiction. He mm. lives in. Uh, Maryland. Uh, This is actually not only his only SG-1 credit, it's his only TV movie credit that he has. Boy, Uh, okay. All of the rest of the stuff that he's done is books. He's written a couple, several books, including uh, The Adventures of the Ectoplasmic Man in 1985, and Mm -hmm. the Houdini Spectre in 2002.
0: I think I see a trend there.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that mystery, fiction, science Ghosts ghosty things yep ghosts all of us specter
0: and ectoplasm yeah ghosts
1: yep uh the teleplay for the devil you know is robert c cooper this is his Mm -hmm. third of five writing credits this season he did fair game and dead man switch Mm -hmm. um uh, he was also part of a large group that came up with the story for point of view if you recall that one um and that was what was that one again point of view that's the one with the alternate reality uh carter
0: Um, uh apophis with a teal uh, apophis with a teal
1: teal (laughs) (laughs) okay folks out there i need a photoshop of apophis with a teal apophis with a teal uh we're talking about the one with the where he has
0: the goatee yeah
1: yes yes gotcha um so that's uh robert cooper uh there are a ton of guest actors in these two episodes yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, I will give you some information about a few of them here. Uh, you've got Carmen Argenziano, who plays Jacob Carter or mm-hmm. We've got J.R. Bourne, who plays Martouf, also Lantash, although I don't think he's referenced as Lantash in this episode at all. Uh, that's the name of the Gulwuld himself. You've mm-hmm. got Peter Williams coming back as Apophis. I uh, can't believe it. We'll get to that. No, oh, sure uh, will. We've got Dion Johnstone, who plays Naonac. Uh, Dion Johnstone was the second in command for those uh, non-Jaffa oh, Jaffa yeah, recruits yeah, yeah. and yeah. rules of engagement. Um, so he is the guy behind the mask before the mask is revealed. Uh,
0: Which that's a little weird to me, honestly. Maybe it was because Peter will... I don't know. Whatever. Okay, carrying on.
1: You know, I don't... You know, I asked myself that question. Is like, why would you have somebody else do that? Um, I did notice as I was listening to it this time that uh, Naonak has a different sounding voice until the very end when it, uh, Apophis reveals himself. Um, and yeah. no doubt that was designed to obscure the fact that it was Apophis under there. But in any case. Yeah. Uh, Binar is played by Bob Dawson. This mm-hmm. is uh, Bob's only Stargate credit. He was born mm-hmm. February 13, 1955. Uh, And this is uh, his uh, mini bio as of IMDb. Bob started out as a DJ as well as a radio show producer at CJOR Vancouver in the late 1970s. He worked weekend mornings at country music station CJJC Langley from 1977 to 1978. He was perhaps best known as the distinctive voice of Santa Claus on the (laughs) Rafe Mars show, which ran on CKNW Vancouver where he took calls from the children at Christmas for many years. So a very different role this time. Yes. (laughs) Very different. Bob was the promotions manager at CKXY Radio Vancouver in the late 1980s. He appeared in many of the Hollywood North-produced TV series of the day, such as X-Files, Millennium, Stargate, Cold Squad, and Call of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Bob passed away in Vancouver November 7, thousand one, at the age of eighty. Th- oh wow. At the age of forty-three. Um and Brent, that's today. Yeah. It is is November 7, twenty nineteen, as we record this. Dang. Uh, so he died eighteen years ago 18 today. Years ago, yeah. Um uh, well and uh wasting
0: yeah. a glass of water to you, Bob. Thanks for Indeed. your thanks for your binar.
1: Thanks for binar. Uh Peter H. Kent played Kintat. Uh mm-hmm. Kintec is the one who uh, was sort of like uh, Naonex or Apophis's first prime guy there. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, he, he was born June 23, 1957 in Vancouver. Uh, he was nearly killed in a motor vehicle accident in the early 1980s. He had multiple skull fractions, broken cheekbones, a crushed nose, a fractured jaw. Jeez Louise. Yeah. This accident transformed his look, uh, some say, to closely resemble that of actor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm, and this okay. uh, proved to be fateful when he was taken under the wing by James Cameron to double Schwarzenegger in The Terminator, 1984. Oh, gotcha. So he okay. actually takes on that role. He and Schwarzenegger became uh, friends. He was his personal stunt mm, double mm-hmm. and stand-in for uh, uh, just about everything from 1984 to more or less the present. Uh, oh, wow. Cool. As Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double, he has a small but a memorable role in Twins uh, as a man who Arnold's character first thinks must be his twin brother, but it turns out that uh, Danny DeVito is playing hmm. his twin brother. Um, yeah. So you got that little uh, tongue-in-cheek moment there. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And we will see uh, Peter Kent again in, no- in another episode of SG-1 in a few seasons uh, as a different character. Gotcha. Cool. Okay, moving on. We have David mm-hmm. Palfey, who played Sokar. He is a film and television actor of Welsh-Hungarian descent. He attended Harvard and the University of Calgary studying law. Uh, mm-hmm. He left law to attend the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London, um, and he appeared in lots of theatrical productions, such as Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, Richard III, uh, and David Mamet's Speed the Plow, mm-hmm. uh, Palfi, he lived on a Dutch barge while living in London until his appearance in Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket in 1987. Huh. That was his <laughs> first credit on IMDb. He's uh-huh. married to actress Erica Durance. Uh She herself will actually be on Stargate in a future episode, but uh, uh, she played several different things. Uh, I know her best from playing Lois Lane on Smallville. Uh, oh okay i don't know if you've seen that or not but uh, not
0: enough of it but i but i probably would recognize her face because yeah lois lane is kind of a big character
1: yeah well not Mm -hmm. early on in the series but later on in the series uh as he grows up and meets lois lane she becomes yeah gotcha um he plays sokar in this episode or in these two episodes but we will see his name again later on the series playing a different Old system lord huh um, that, uh, that that I wonder if that actually tips your hand a little there, Zach. Um. Well, other than I the mean, fact I, that... maybe.
0: May, well, let's put it this way. Um, if we see Sokar again, I would expect Sokar to be played by the same actor. Maybe True. not. True. But just a thing. Right. Okay. So, so, so uh,
1: uh, I'll tip my hand and say Sokar yeah. is dead. Wait, he died? He blew up on a ship at the end of the episode. I thought he zapped away. That wasn't Sokar that zapped away.
0: It was Apophis that zapped away. Yeah. That's how that That's how that thing happened. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've got one more guest act to talk about. Sure, go for <laughs> okay. it. Okay. <laughs> we have William DeVry, who played Aldwin. Um, this is the Tok'ra that was in the ship with Teal. Mm-hmm. Uh he was born and raised in Montreal, Canada. His mother, Diane, is the granddaughter of Herman DeVry, founder of the Devry Institute. Oh. Um, I see. Okay. So there you go. He is best known for his roles as Joshua Doors on Earth's Final Conflict, Brent Callis on Beggars and Choosers, Aldwin here on Stargate SG One, and Michael Cambius on All My Children. Mm-hmm. Uh and he was credited. As being on in Jolinar's memories, but we actually never see him in that episode. Hmm. So interesting. Uh, likewise, Dion Johnstone is credited for in uh, the Devil You Know, but uh, he actually only appears in Jolinar's memories. Uh, so there you go. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, we will see the character of Aldwin again a few more times. Okay. Cool. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the original air date for these two episodes were October 22nd and October 29, 1999. Mm -hmm. Number one on the charts in the U.S. was Smooth by Santana Mm -hmm. and Rob Thomas for both weekends. I gotcha. Okay. in the U.K. for the first weekend, they were listening to Christina Aguilera's Genie in a Bottle uh, for that first weekend. And then Westlife's Flying Without Wings (laughs) supplanted that in week
0: 2 <laughs> So so last time we had a Westlife song it was definitely kind of a slow boy band jam. Do you think that uh, flying without wings is any faster than the than the one
1: before? Um so I'll tell you right now that I don't remember the last time we heard about Westlife other than Yeah, don't worry. You know, it
0: was completely not memorable.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that flying without wings is definitely kind of a, a You know, pop ballad there. Pop from, ballad, okay yeah, Alright, so
0: we'll queue we'll up the pop ballad As you go through the box office stuff
1: Okay, well we've got a All lot right. of box office to go through Because we've got two weeks to go through uh, they, In don't the weekend worry. of October 22nd As we listen to Flying Without Wings We have <laughs> Best Man As number one, Double Jeopardy's number two We don't talk about number three no, uh, Bringing don't. Out the Dead, number four The Story of Us Is number five Mm-hmm. By the way, that's Fight Club Just Hey, sorry. shh oh, no, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry I mean, hey, it was bad enough that I screwed up Yeah, okay I just wanted to make sure that you were okay with that Okay, anyway, thanks October 29 <laughs> uh, We had Haunted House on Haunted Hill mm-hmm. uh, The Best Man, number two Double Jeopardy, number three American Beauty, number four uh, And Music of the Heart In number five spot Mm-hmm so, yeah, I think I think you should bring that music down now. You think so? You yeah. Think, you think we've had enough? Yep. Okay. Yep. Definitely had enough of that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So what was happening in this two week period at the end of October 1999? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, on October 19th, a couple of days before the first episode, airs, believe single was released by Cher. Uh, that later became billboard's song of the year nineteen ninety nine so go share
0: I thought we had already heard believe
1: you, you know i I think you were right, and maybe so this is the believe single was released, and I don't know if that makes a difference
0: probably I guess it does i don't know, I thought for sure we had heard this already, but all right you okay, know, cool. I, in any case yeah. And yeah
1: you know if i i don't fact check these things <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, you know, somebody could just, somebody could totally put up, October 20th, the Big Mac was on sale for one penny.
1: And you'd be like, wow, I don't remember that. Well, you'd have to put it on the website that I go to to find this information. Yes, okay, all right. you know, beyond that, okay. (laughs) Uh, On October 26th, uh, Britain's House of Lords votes to end the right of hereditary peers to vote in Britain's uh, upper chamber of parliament. Uh Mm -hmm. So, yay, go Brits. On the 27th <laughs> there's a gunman who opens fire on uh are gunmen many of them who open fire on in the Armenian parliament killing prime, mm. Minis-, prime minister Vazgen Sargsyan hmm. uh, as well as parliament chairman somebody and six other people I'm not going to wow. try to butcher some names here uh I but so the, I don't remember that at all uh, a couple of days later, on the 29th, this is actually the day the second episode aired, uh, the deadliest Indian Ocean tropical super cyclone hits Odisha, India, mm-hmm. India killing uh, 9,885 people with a wind speed of 300 miles per hour. Jeez Louise! That's huge. That's like, that's the speed of a tornado. Yeah. That's not, that's not a hurricane, that's a tornado. Well, let's say it's a tropical super cyclone. Well, that's the same thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, and put that in perspective, the town in which I am recording now has just a little over 10,000 people. So that's yeah. basically like this entire city just going, gone. Yep, gone. Wow. Yeah. So um, on Gosh. October 31, Halloween, 1999. Mm-hmm. Nerf Arena Blast is released by Atari Inc. and Visionary Media Inc. I I I Okay. All right. There you go. It just sounded Nerf, sound, Arena was nerf blast. so I had to add it. Woo, yeah. Um okay. Then on October thirty one as well, you have Yachtsman Jesse Martin uh, returning to Melbourne after eleven months of circumnavigating the world solo, nonstop, and unassisted. Dang. Yeah. Um, On October 31, Egypt Air Flight 990 traveling from New York City to Cairo crashes off the coast of Nantucket, Massachusetts, killing all 217 people on board.
0: Yeah, Hmm.
1: I vaguely remember that. Yeah, and finally, and this one I do remember, um, but this is special because I'm unique. Uh, on October thirty <laughs> one, nineteen ninety nine, the Roman Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church leaders signed the Joint Declaration on the Doctrine of Justification, ending a centuries old doctrinal dispute over the nature of faith and salvation.
0: <laughs> wasn't wait a minute? Is that also um, uh, what year was the ninety nine theses uh, nailed on the door? 1517. Well,
1: 15, 15, 1517.
0: Okay, I was way off, but uh, that was that was October thirty first, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So October, so um, generally the last Sunday in uh, October is known as Reformation Sunday in the church. Uh, the Reformation is that which uh, Martin Luther uh, started in the 1500s that uh, brought about the the Protestant denominations in the world. So your 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 Lutherans, Presbyterians, uh, Methodist, Reformed, uh, even your Baptist, all have a Ultimate root in this uh, thing called uh, uh, the Protestant Reformation, fifteen seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a big deal. Um, and since the Luther and Martin Luther and all of that stuff, uh, they they get together, and so this this joint declaration uh, basically uh, ends the dispute that uh, forced Martin Luther to break away from the Roman Catholic Church in fifteen. Uh, kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, uh, shortly thereafter, like within a couple of years after this, uh, the Roman Catholic Church po- uh, uh, published another doctrine, document that uh, talked all sorts about how indulgences can be used and should be used in the modern world, which sort of just thumbs its nose <laughs> at this whole joint declaration on the Doctrine of Justification. Um, that kind of torqued we off totally some Lutheran in the process. The same
0: page. Yeah, right. Everything's fine. We're totally on the same page. Totally. Oh, and by the way, you can purchase a little slip of paper for Granny and spring her from purgatory. Yeah. All yours for nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Shipping and handling.
1: <laughs> okay. Um. We are well deep into this podcast, and we need to yeah. get to the trivia. Yes. So, uh, the device that Martouf uses to calibrate the memory stimulation device, the recall device is in reality an electronic nose hair trimmer. (laughs) There you go.
0: I'm going to adjust this so that you don't have quite as many memories of my nose
1: hairs. (laughs) 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 It's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so this episode was originally intended to be one episode, Jolinar's Memories. But it was so expensive and the set became so huge that the only way they could afford it is if they split it into two episodes so that they could use that set for two episodes and spread the cost over it. It Uh turns out that it was almost expensive. These two episodes here, uh, it was almost as expensive as the pilot Children of the Gods.
0: Uh, I mean, as I said last time when I was watching the promo like this was this visually it was very stunning it was very mm-hmm. and uh yeah it uh kind of felt like they were spreading over two episodes Yep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> so I do have uh some uh comments here Jonathan Glasner says massive huge gigantic are some of the words that spring to mind at the mention of this episode uh-huh um so the In reason that story. Uh, Robert Cooper wrote The Devil You Know is because they realized that they needed to uh, expand this and make it two episodes uh, right. just to pay for it. all. Uh, uh, Amanda Tapping says this was a great atmosphere on that set. It was really hell-ish. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, Peter DeLuise then also... Just uh, gets that uh, giddy, goofy uh, quality to him when he thinks about uh, the beefy dudes with uh, you know oil spread all over their body. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> there you have it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the things that uh, this was, we can we can talk about whether this was a good or a bad idea. Um, but uh, you know, so for the last half a season, we've been talking up Sokar, and we finally get a chance to see him. And as yep. soon as we see him, they kill him. Uh, mm. yeah, and uh, that one, to myself one for just the, a bit. One of the reasons they did that is, uh, uh, well, Cooper says this: some people have wondered why we created this really cool, cool in Sokar only to kill him off right away. Well, yeah. we originally killed Apophis because the character had gotten a little weak. We'd beaten him so many times that he was no longer scary. Then we realized we could bring him back in dramatic fashion and give his character a whole new level by having him rise from the ashes and take over the realm of the scariest ghoul we could think of. We built Sokar up exactly for this reason. The more powerful he was, the more powerful Apophis would become when he defeated him. So, Zach. Yes. Do you know what I hear when I hear those words? What do you hear those words?
0: I hear this, <clears throat> you know, hindsight being 2020, we really kind of screwed it up with our Sokar thing there, didn't we? And Apophis, uh, you know, we were kind of painting ourselves into a bit of a corner and he was such a popular actor. We kind of had to figure out a way to bring him back. So, you know, we came up with the corny, I mean, the most plausible reason we could think of to bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: you know, that that that's, that's, that's fair.
0: There's a phrase about lipstick and a pig.
1: okay um Mm. yeah it is worth noting that uh peter williams name uh does not appear in the opening credits uh for uh jelinar's memories uh Mm -hmm. he does appear in the closing credits but that was you know obviously designed to keep that surprise uh a secret through the episode Mm so um and then As I look at the languages, the titles in other languages, uh, the French call this The Flames of Hell, Part 1 and 2. And the rest of them basically call it Jolinar's Memories. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, uh, the Hungarian, for the second episode, call it The Damned Devil, Uh, The Czech Exorcism of a Demon by a Devil. Uh, Spanish, Mm -hmm. uh, it's A Bad Weed Never Dies. Uh, which is a saying that means bad people last longer or simply oh, bad yeah. penny always turns up. Gotcha. Um, and then in Italian, they call it dominations. So there's a lot of variation in those.
0: Yeah, yeah. Exorcism uh, of a demon by a devil. That one's a good one.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a fun one. The goofs, so Natu's volcanic explosions start small and get even ever more powerful, which is atypical of volcanic behavior. Prior to any volcanic eruption, the side vents and the steam vents tend to lessen in intensity. In some cases, actually going out completely as the pressure builds in the main magma chamber for the Mm -hmm. big explosion. Kaboom! So um, while that makes good science, it doesn't make good sci-fi. So um, no, no. So there you go. But yeah,
0: okay. But that wasn't. But you know, if if that was the worst thing in this episode, it would be fine.
1: Yeah. Um, mm. you know, they did mention that, uh, well, you know, they were said that the atmosphere is really toxic and all that stuff, but nobody seemed right. to have any breathing problems. And I'm like,
0: right. Um, uh, oh, yeah, no, that part, like, you know, they, they, I mean, Daniel made a mention that his lungs were burning. And you know, like, I mean, what, what do we want? Do we want him, do we want them coughing and hacking every one of their lines out? Like, no, yeah, no, I want to no, watch a TV That doesn't show.
1: make good television either. <clears throat> no. Um, so, in any case, yeah, I think now after 35 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> we are ready for the synopsis of these two episodes.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Okay, here we go. The synopsis for Jolinar's memory: the Stargate opens in the SGC, and the iris closes. But they receive an IDC. It's the Tokra, so they open the iris for their ally. Is it perhaps Jacob coming to say hello? Alas, no. It is Samantha's other favorite snakehead, Martouf. He look. His look betrays the seriousness of his visit. Jacob, that is to say, Selmac has been captured by Sokar and sent to hell. Well, okay, it's not technically the actual hell, but the moon Natu orbiting Sokar's planet Delmac that has been transformed into a fiery prison for Sokar's enemies. No one has ever escaped from Natu, no one that is except Jolinar of Malkshire, and it is imperative that they reach Jacob and relay his information about Sokar, Martuf, has come to enlist the help of SG-1 for this most dangerous of missions. The team agrees. They gather what they need and head to Varash using the Stargate, since there is no Stargate on Natu. On Varash, the team boards a Teltech. in fact the same Teltech that Jolinar used to escape from Natu, uh, to fly to the place where fires burn eternal. Teal'c will fly the ship, while O'Neill, Jackson, Carter, and Martuf take escape pods down to uh, Natu to find the missing Tok'ra. During their journey to Natu, Martouf uses a memory recall device to help Carter recover Jolinar's memories, since Jolinar never told anyone how she escaped. While it's activated, Carter sees memories of her father telling her about her mother's death, a romantic moment between Jolinar and Martouf, and an image of so torturing Jolinar. Despite all their attempts, however, they do not find any memories of the escape. As they approach Natu, they hide the memory recall device behind Carter's ear so that she may continue to work through Jolinar's memories while in hell. Arriving at the moon, the team takes the escape pods to the surface where they enter a cave system. There, they are sur- <coughs> surrounded by prisoners led by a ghoul named Naonak. Recalling more of Jolinar's memories, Carter claims they are here to see Binar, the lord of Natu. Binar appears and has the newcomers thrown into the pit. Once locked in the pit, Carter explains that Binar is somehow the key to escaping. And while they're talking, they hear a weak voice call out Sam's name. It is Jacob, injured, weak, and close to death from all the torture. Binar uses the transportation rings to Delmac, where he meets with Sokar, where he thanks his master for the gift of the new arrivals, which he assumes were sent there by Sokar. And the opportunity he gets now to seek revenge against Jolinar. But Sokar declares that he did no such thing. On Natu, Jacob reveals that Sokar has created a giant fleet of starships to destroy the other system lords, a fleet scheduled to attack in less than two weeks. SG-1 relays this to Teal. If they don't make it out, he can still pass the intel to the Tokra High Council. Carter is taken to Binar to be interrogated. She has flashbacks about Jolinar and Binar. Jolinar seduced Binar in order to gain access to the transportation ring in his quarter. She used him to escape the fires of hell. After a short interview, Binar attempts to kill Carter with his karakesh. All of a sudden, we hear the blast of a staff weapon. Binar falls down dead, killed by his own first prime Naonak. Carter is dragged back to the cell, where she tells the others about what happened. They develop a plan to flee, using the ring transporter in Binar's room to reach the rings in the Teltec that Teal'c is flying. They contact Teal'c, who is then attacked by Death Gliders. The team breaks out of their cell and makes it to Bynar's room, but the other denizens see them and follow our heroes. With the controls for the ring transporter damaged, Martouf works quickly to get them to work again as O'Neill tries to keep the door closed and locked. Carter and Daniel just stand there holding on to a barely conscious Jacob. But just before Martouf is able to activate the rings, Naonek breaks through the door of the room using, the Bi- using Binar's Karakash. Capturing SG-1, he declares that he will once again be known by his true name. Removing his helmet, he reveals the horribly scarred face of Apophis. SG-1, Martouf and Jacob look on, stunned. SG-1 once again meet he- Apophis. He throws them in the pit, but he has a plan. He will use the denizens of hell to start an uprising. He will gather intel from SG-1 and use it as leverage. He starts with Major Carter. While interrogating her, Apophis discovers the memory recall device. And so using that and a drug called the blood of Sokar, he plunges Sam into a dream made up of old memories. She sees herself on the day of her mother's funeral, with Jacob asking for her forgiveness. Confused, Sam remembers that she forgave her father years ago, and if she hadn't, she likely wouldn't have joined the Stargate program in the first place. Out of the blue, Jacob starts asking her how to get back to Earth. He needs her IDC, but Sam recognizes that something is wrong. She refuses to give in. She refuses to give Apophis any information, and Apophis throws her back into the pit. Meanwhile, Teal'c escapes the Death Gliders and returns to the Tok'ra returns to the Tok'ra. The Council decides to send the Teltec back to Natu with an extreme plan. Aldwin, a Tok'ra agent, has orders to launch a device that would burrow to the center of Natu and destroy the moon within 12 minutes. The ensuing shockwave will destroy Sokar's ship with everyone on board, thus saving the galaxy from a singular all-powerful system lord. Tealc hopes that he can save his friends before the Tokar destroy the moon. Back on Natu, Apophis interrogates O'Neil as he did with Sam, plunging him into a dream memory of his son. Charlie O'Neil accuses Jack of never playing with him, saying that if he'd played ball together, Charlie would never have shot himself. He refuses to play ball unless Jack tells him where the Asgard homeworld is. Uh, like Sam, Jack is able to recognize the signs in this interrogation. And refuses to spill any useful information. And so Apophis throws the Colonel back into the pit. Next on the list is Martouf, With the blood of Sokar and a particularly intense memory recall device muddling his mind, Martouf is forced to choose between sharing information on where the Tok'ra are hiding and having a front row seat to Sam-slash-Jolinar's brutal murder at the hands of Apophis. Giving in, Martouf reveals where the Tok'ra are hiding. But back in the pit, Martuf reveals to Sam that he knew what was happening and that he could not allow her to be killed. So he lied, quite convincingly, to Apophis. Dr. Jackson is next. This time, the former system lord wants to know where his son, the Harcesis, is. But despite, of all, despite all that is happening, Daniel's mind remains strong and he refuses to give up any information. Still, all is not lost for Apophis. Apophis ha- has the planet where the Tok'ra are hiding, the planet Entak, and so using the promise of information, he gains an audience with Sokar. He has a plan. Once he is close enough to Sokar, he will stab him with a spring-loaded blade hidden in his vambrace. Arriving back at Natu, Teal'c and Aldwin make contact with the rest of SG-1, but Aldwin sees that Sokar's ship is, in fact, or- in orbit around Natu. He acts quickly and launches the device that will destroy the moon. Ticked off by this action, Tilk locks the Tok'ra in the cargo bay of the Teltak, and he then informs his friends they have 12 minutes. Standing before Sokar, Apophis arrogantly reveals Entak as the home of the Tok'ra, but Sokar is not pleased. He has already conquered Entak, and there are no Tok'ra there. His His Jaffa soldiers move to seize Apophis, but moving quickly, Apophis uses his blade to take out the Jaffa guard. In this moment, another guard comes in to inform Sokar that the moon is erupting. Apophis kills this guard and then swings around to shoot Sokar with a newly acquired staff weapon. But Sokar activates his personal shield and is saved. Apophis therefore runs away while Sokar roars in anger over all that has happened. Trapped on Natu, SG-1, Martuf, and Jacob can only escape by using the transportation ring. These, but these will take them to Sokar's ship, which is about to be destroyed. Reenacting the original escape plan, Teal flies the transport ship to a position where he can intercept the Matter Stream, filled with our heroes. Moments after SG-1's escape, a Matter Stream sends someone from Sokar's ship to Delmac. NATO explodes. Sokar's ship is destroyed. The erstwhile galactic ruler is killed, and SG1's ship flies safely away. A little while later, Apophis stands in Sokar's throne room, having gained Sokar's army. He is now the strongest Guawuld among the system. The end. The end. That was epic. Mm, so The reading was. Okay. So, Brent, this is the spot yeah. when I say Jolinar's yeah. memories and the devil you know. What'd you think? Oh, boy.
0: I t- so, <clears throat> So, I watched the first episode. I watched it this morning. I watched 45 minutes and... The story is interesting, and the set's great, and the the moocs are hilarious, and you know I am I am jamming. The story is good, things are moving along, and then that twist at the end, that twist where the where where um the first prime of uh, Binar shoots Binar, and like it's like a it's a big giant question of like what's going on, why, what is go- who is this, what's going on, and then it's revealed to be Apophis. And I took a little break between that episode and The Devil You Know. I didn't go straight into The Devil You Know. And so as I was sitting there, I was thinking about <clears throat> I was thinking about Jolinar's memories, and I was thinking about the title, The Devil You Know, and Apophysis Big Reveal. And I was thinking about how, from my point of view, it really did look like the first prime of Bynar assassinated Bynar uh, intentionally to save Samantha Carter. That, I mean, it really did look like that. And of course, tossed her back into the pit for reasons. You know, who knows what reasons? <clears throat> Didn't care. But it definitely had the look that there was a coup going on on um, Moon Planet. Nate. 2 nee So I was genuinely expecting the story to go something along these lines in The W. You Know. I was expecting that the, that the word The Devil You Know was going to be a, 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 a play on a concept where the SG-1 team are going to have to team up with Apophis to take down Sokar, or to, to at least get off this planet, or to, to, to present him a significant blow. I thought it was going to be this amazing, like, complicating turning point where, uh, where SGC and this formerly substantial but no longer so system lord effectively team up To take down a larger threat. I thought it was going to be basically the start of something that would eventually turn into, uh, you know, the building blocks of even perhaps a unified um, Milky Way in defense of our galaxy against the extremely bad threat that that the Asgard are facing in their other galaxy, Mm. like way down the line. And instead... I get Apophis being an idiot system lord in exactly the same idiot way that he has been this entire time making idiot moves, being an idiot interrogator, falling for idiot lies, and somehow at the end? the big, 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 big bad guy that is totally going to reset the power dynamic in this universe. Here we are midway through season three. It's time to have some redefinition happening. Like we've, we've shed our baby teeth in this story. It's time to dive into the good stuff. We've got a terrible enemy in the form of Sokar who is going to seriously upset the balance of power that we have here. And he gets snuffed out from a blowed up moon. And his entire infrastructure on the planet is intact. And who's sitting in charge of the thing? Scarred up Apophis? That ding dong? Like, (laughs) I'm sitting here just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this thing started so good, and it ended so bad. (laughs) Like, I'm stunned. I am stunned. Stunned. And I know that this is going to have to be something. Now, I, I, in all actuality, well, this is part of the reason why I was a little confused, right? Where okay. where you told me, spoiler, Brent, Sokar's dead. And I'm like, wait, what? And it's like, then all of a sudden, that very last scene, which I thought was a little confusing, like, how did Apophis end up on the planet? Okay, right? Like, now it's starting to make more se- quote unquote sense. But, huh, I tell you what. So, okay, that was my, that's that's first. So, I'll give you a chance to jump in because... I could probably spin my wheels on this one for a All while. Right. So,
1: so um, overall, I'm going to look at Joel and Ars memories to start. Sure. Um, I like this episode overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that visually it is absolutely stunning. Um, I think there is some legitimate tension there. Uh, the pl- the interplay between uh, Martouf and Samantha, between Martouf and Jack, is really really good. Um, you know, you get that moment on the, the Teltac when Jackson comes and sits next to Carter and says, are you going to be okay? Uh, you just get that great moment of friendship and, and mm-hmm. quality there. Um, they get to the planet. Uh, you've got Binar, who is just absolutely disgusting. Um, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, totally. Just, uh, 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 and, you know, just everything is really um beautiful it's a great well written story um and i really enjoy uh i enjoy the the ending surprise where you turn out and like holy crap the guy who yeah. just saved carter is um this evil evil guy um and you know the the guy that we thought was dead the bad guy is he's not dead now uh i really liked jelena's memories um and i thought that uh W you Know continues with the same I mean it's really one episode. It's split up into two. Uh right. yes for obvious reasons. But it's really just one episode. Uh the second half um is fine. Uh I don't have any problems with it. I don't I don't think that I have the same kind of visceral response that you do uh sure. to this episode. Um uh, uh you know, I, I think uh as you talk about this and you talk about what you imagine it to be, I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. yeah, that would have been a better story. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll grant you that. But the story we have is not bad. The thing that I don't like about this uh, more than anything else uh, is, is that here you've got this blood of Sokar, which is some sort of really powerful narcotic, and mm-hmm. it doesn't work on any of our heroes. Right. Uh, that bugs me. It's like the closest we get this to working on somebody is when Martouf gives up NTAC. And then we find out immediately that there's nobody on NTAC. Um, right. Uh, and, and so you're like, seriously? Uh, you know, I mean, if this is really as powerful as it is, um, especially if you take that memory recall device and, and crank it up to 11, uh, I mean, such that, that when it's on a relatively low setting, uh, Carter actually feels the torture device hitting her. Uh, as she remembers Jolinar's memories, uh, right on uh, this doesn't uh, this part here doesn't play with me. Uh, no. I, I get I I, uh, I get irked that, that this super stuff just like our, our characters just you know everybody seems to roll a natural twenty on that. And yeah, uh, like, yes, really is that really what this is all about? I'm like, right. I don't know, right. Um, still, all of that said, um, the I find it, you know, reasonably exciting. Um, I find it, you know, it's like, oh, look, the same thing that they were going to use before is what exactly they used to save themselves at the end. Okay, that's fine. Um, The Devil, you know, is is a perfectly fine episode for me. Uh, I will say this. Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing that disappoints me most about this whole episode, both of them, while I like the reveal of Apophis at the end of Jolinar's memory, Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of bringing Apophis back. Right, I never have liked that. I've always, uh, I agree with their assessment that it felt like Apophis was great early on, uh, but after they kicked his butt a couple of times, and then it, he kind of felt uh, like a weak bad guy. And yeah. um, I was—I've never been thrilled with the fact that in the middle of the third season they bring Apophis. Back. Despite the fact that I really like um, I mean I, I like Peter Williams's portrayal of the character. He does a really good job he's over the top all of that stuff um, and you know spoiler alert, we will see him again in future episodes. Yeah um, yeah that, that's not really a spoiler. Um, but and I like those and, episodes fine. Um, but I was not thrilled when they brought him back.
0: So like we had we had a really good Ending to the Apophis arc. We and we had set up different bad guys in the universe. And we we started to meaningfully switch gears away from System Lords writ large as the bad guys and them being bumbling buffoons even through these two episodes into other threats in the in the in the universe that um are coming into play and can interplay and can uh, and, and can represent a threat to our heroes that they have to deal with. We were well on our way. We did not have to go back to the well to pull Apophis back. We're in the middle of season three, for crying out loud. This is not like a season eight, like, you know, Apophis has a baby type of a thing. Like, you know, like like I know at some point Stargate SG1 is going to do something later on that I'm going to say is going to jump a shark. I just know it. I just I if it doesn't do that I'm going to be shocked, but at some point there's going to be a turn and it's going to be like, "Okay, I can see they are they're they're trying to keep it fresh, but what they're doing right now is that they're literally choking the thing to death." And this feels like a move that they would reserve for like season 9 or something. Like you know, we've run out of all of our good ideas. What do we do? Well, let's let's go replay our greatest hits. Like, you know, you didn't need to bring back Apophis. And if you did bring back Apophis, my goodness. I, I mean, again, like at the end of Jolinar's memories, sure, I went off on a tear and came up with an entire storyline that turned out to have nothing to do with what the story was actually doing. Like at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like... I. <laughs> We, we love it. We love it. Okay, fine. So they send him off to wherever. And sure enough, somebody snatches him and sticks him in a sarcophagus and revives him. Hooray, like he's back. But wouldn't it be rad if he were still a bad guy, but like this time around on our side, right? Like that would have been a fun story. This the, the whole second episode could have been them finding a way to get the upper hand on Arguably the largest threat in the galaxy, period. Mm-hmm. And instead, we get, you know, we get 30 minutes of basically a clip show. It's not really a clip show because it's all, you know, new, new acting. And it's supposed to be revealing about our, our, our characters' backstories, but it's playing out like Beowulf. It's just like they kick its butt over and over and over and over again. They don't get defeated. It's exactly like you said. Like, this stuff is supposed to be just like ripping memories out of their heads like spaghetti or something. And it's turning out to be just like wiffle ball. And it's just, <laughs> and it means, and so, and so as a result, like, then the, the, so that on itself is bad. It's just bad, right? That's like two Chevron rating right there, just flat out. Nah, more like three. It's like three Chevron rating flat out right there. And you get um, you get Marty uh, lying about the location of the Tok'ra and immediately revealing to us and the heroes that he had lied. And you get Apophis being silly Apophis, right? Being easily defeated system lord. Like once again, you're setting these guys up like pins in a bowling alley. You're about to knock them down. And sure enough, you bowl a strike for crying out loud. I thought it was a little lame that it was like that literally that planet that was named had just been conquered like last week. Like, you know, like that was a little <laughs> that was a little <laughs> fortuitous. But, you know, but still, it was the point of like, you didn't bother to corroborate this information, you silly little idiot. Like, what did you think? Like, you thought that like all this stuff was just going to be like perfectly, perfectly valid. Like, no, you, you are you are a minor has been bad guy. Right now, in our grand story, and you've been your butt has been kicked so many times that we don't even know what to do with you anymore. And somehow he turns up on top like that was seriously like when I finished the episode just by myself, I was confused as to how Apophis got onto the planet's surface, but I wasn't too deeply concerned about it because I'm like, all right, fine, Apophis is the bad guy and he's back. Hooray. And that scene where I was confused, where it didn't show us who transported from the ship to the planet, and I thought it was Sokar, and I was in, it was intended for me to think that it was Sokar, um, Like I thought to myself, yep, okay, um, big, big bad guy ran away, and uh, he's going to be back, and he has been dealt a pretty meaningful sting, but his threat still looms, and it didn't even... Like, really, I didn't appreciate it until you, Zach, told me <laughs>
1: that, mm-hmm. that it was
0: Apophis that was the guy. Like, like what I witnessed was Apophis zipping over to the planet's surface, not some goofy little reason, some little TV magic way that Apophis somehow managed to get off that ship and is still a threat. No, no, Apophis is now the chief bad guy. And I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. You have to be kidding me. That is completely not believable right now. Like not only is it not believable, but it didn't need to go there. The story right now was fine. Can you can you tell? Can you tell I'm a little peeved,
1: <laughs> Brent? You, are you <laughs> ticked off right now? Ah, <sighs> yes, just a tad.
0: That's a- and I don't know, you know. I mean, and and you know, Jolinar's memories was fine. Like it was. Like I said, it it ended, and I was I was in. I was I was invested, and I was excited. I was ready to see how this thing turns out. And then, yeah, after watching the second episode and listening to, you know, the, the background information and now understanding that they had built this extremely expensive set that they had to stretch it over two 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 stories. And, yeah, like that second episode does feel like it was filler. Like they were just trying to kind of, you know, stretch it out at that point. Grumble.
1: Well, OK, so. uh <laughs> At this point in time, Brent, I'm going to say, so what did you like about this episode? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: I did, uh, the, the set was great. The acting, um, seriously, the acting was fine all the way through, all the way through, even through the stupid story part that I don't like. Um, and the first half of the story was compelling, uh, Let's see, what, what got set up that I liked? Um, I don't know. See, I was liking the setup of why Sokar is as bad of a threat as he is. I was thinking it was kind of interesting that there has been a bit of a shift in the narrative, I think, where early in uh, the Stargate storytelling, the, the, the explanations that were being offered were that these aliens um, were interpreted as gods, by the people on Earth. So th- these aliens came by and had these images or this imagery already associated with them. And that was the imagery that then got chiseled into the sandstone in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And these names were the names that were, you know, like it was that the, these aliens were these entities that then became worshipped as gods. And now we're in a phase where it is very, very intentionally being described that these aliens are mimicking these legends. They are, they are terraforming a moon so that it looks like hell, for example.
1: I would say yeah. that it's a both and. I think that, that, okay. that Sokar may be a little bit different. Uh, it's a little bit hard to t- tell for sure. Uh, certainly, he's kind of developing that persona of Satan. Um, but he's also coming from a place that is demonstrably non-Christian, despite the one planet that is apparently Christian in the Middle Ages, but... Oh, is, right, right. We'll, we'll, we're just going to bypass that a little bit. But, yeah. um, when you look at Kronos, uh, when you look at you, when you look at Nirti right. and, and, and such, uh, these are, are characters who, who became these gods, and the story uh, built up around them at the same time as they influenced the story. So it's kind of a both and. I mean, it's not like, it's not simply that uh, they walked into like, oh, hey, there, there's a good story. I'm going to pretend that I'm this guy over here. Right. Um, okay. uh, there, there is a sense that, that uh, it, it's more than that. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, especially for somebody like uh, Sokar, there's something else going on there. Certainly, uh, whatever whatever else it is, Sokar is certainly styling himself to be the biggest bad guy uh, on the block, uh, such that uh, it's like, hey, I've got, you know, hell. You want to know what hell's like? It's Nay2 right over here. There you go. Yeah, with, a, with
0: an exhaust port exactly two meters wide with that a torpedo can go straight down it and blow the whole thing up. Uh, well, yes. Mm-hmm. Big bad guy that gets set up for six episodes, eight episodes as like the meanest, nastiest, only to just be like, done, bye, see ya.
1: Well, it does beg the question now, um, you see Apophis as this uh, quasi-bumbling idiot. uh Not quasi. Who made, uh, what was that? <laughs> Not quasi. <laughs> <laughs> Brit sees Apophis as a bumbling idiot. Um, yes, I do. But now you have a bumbling idiot who is uh, bumbling his way up to the top again and is now in charge of the biggest, baddest, awfulest uh, fleet in the galaxy, mm-hmm. um, which begs the question then, what happens now? Yeah. What's the next I mean, step okay. with, with, um, if you've got a bumbler who's in charge?
0: So like, yeah, I'm, I'm choosing to interpret him as a bumbling idiot because I have been given ample evidence that he could not figure his way out of a paper bag with both hands like it, 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 but they are not, the story writers are not going to set him in front of the largest phalanx that they can get him in front of only to have him march them into a circle and attack each other. Like that's not going to happen. They're not going to write him like that. Mm -hmm. They're going to attempt to write him to make me, the viewer, feel like this guy actually is so badass that he can find a way to get in front of a new column of people and win his way back to power within the galaxy um, and be a threat. And like, so, you know, what's going to happen next? It's going to be something, you know, it's going to be something along the lines of that, you know, he, 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 he. He's back with his big bad power and, you know, he's going to be a threat again, but now he's going to be even more of a threat. He's going to be like, you know, he's going to be juiced up Apophis, not, not Apophis reformed. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not excited for that. I just don't (laughs) think it's going to be that good. Like that's, that's that. Okay. I mean, I don't know where we're going to go with this one, honestly, but well, I mean, it's, it's, it's worrisome. I'll just say that it's worrisome.
1: Okay. Um, you mentioned earlier that you think you fully anticipate there being a moment where SG one jumps a shark. And generally that phrase is used to uh, talk about when a show uh, just jumps beyond the plausible into the utterly ridiculous uh, and has ultimately lost its footing. Yes. Um, As I remind, uh, think about all 10 seasons of SG one uh I will agree with you that I think there probably is a moment where they jump the shark yeah, uh, I will say this, however, that unlike most shows that jump the shark, they never recover um oh yeah, yeah yeah I think that uh when the time comes that uh uh s g one jumps the shark um uh, they they do recover from it uh, that's
0: that's very good to hear so that's very good to hear and you know and i recognize that i'm being um i'm being harsh i am being harsh i recognize i'm being harsh. um part of the reason why i'm being harsh is because when i took that little break in between those two like i really should have just watched these things one after the other bang bang like, I would not be nearly as ticked off as I am right now because I let my expectation get built. Now, on the other hand, I'm glad I also took a little bit of a break between these episodes because half of the reason why I'm doing this the way that I am, watching it one episode at a time, typically one week after the next, is because I'm trying to uh, engage with the story in the pacing that it was meant to be given, more or less. We, right. we You and me, we go from one season to the next without a break um as opposed to allowing a few months to pass and we don't you know we don't take a, a multi-week break that sometimes this the show would do just anyway like we we go one week to the next but i intentionally put a little bit of a break there so that i can so that i could brew on what i had learned from Jolenear's memories and anticipate what might come next with uh the devil you know and Sure. You know, maybe it's my own fault that I drummed up some amazing story that I would have loved to see happen only to not have it happen at all. In fact, have almost the opposite happen. Mm-hmm. And so I feel remarkably disappointed, but I'm disappointed because it didn't live up to my own expectations inside my own head headcanon. Like, I acknowledge that it's a problem that is contained completely in between my ears, but that's where I'm at. Right. Sure. Like, sure. This is this is me. At my age, with my experience and my want of storytelling and my expectation about what could happen and my observation of this universe and its evolution up till now, and everything that I have seen has pointed to, like, on the whole, really darn good storytelling with with appropriate levels of increasing um, threat that, you know, none of these threats seem to just spring up um, with absolutely no hope of of... Of conquering at all and as some threats have been proven to be much less daunting than they first were like that that felt also completely natural our heroes are evolving they're getting better Mm -hmm. they're getting stronger they're getting more apt they 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 have seen enough things now to be able to anticipate like how to how to how to how to stand toe to toe and the humans are being recognized as a race on the rise like there has been more than a few episodes now where it is where we are witnessing the dawn of humanity in the intergalactic scope, which is brilliant. Like This is great. It's great stuff. And then to feel like you have to like backpedal a little. To feel like you have to be like, um, you remember this really bad guy over here that we f- ended up not having him be as bad as we thought he was going to be? Mm-hmm. Well, just wait. He's back and now his sword is bigger like it's like uh, i mean okay but we didn't beat him last time because we had a better weapon we beat him last time because he's an idiot and we're gonna beat him now because he's an idiot just because you got a giant army doesn't make you any smarter so no i don't expect the story to go exactly like that i don't expect us to like you know to beat him next week because he's an idiot but on the other hand it's like well you know we blew up his ships because we were clever not because we had superior firepower like it kind of doesn't matter how big of an army he has. Like, he, we've already established he's not clever. <laughs> he, he is able to be f- foiled. Like, even in this very episode, he was able to be made to look like a fool. Ugh. All right. I, I, I can't imagine that. I, I, should, I really should just stop I, because I can't say anything good. You know what my mom always said?
1: Can't say something nice. Don't say nothing at all.
0: No, she said don't watch... Sh- just just about uh just about swore on the air Uh, (laughs) bad boy uh anyway um so yeah zach what um that's basically my thoughts what do you what 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 How are you thinking Uh, about wrapping this one up?
1: Well, I don't know. I I don't know if I have a whole lot more to say. I I don't have near the visceral response to this episode as you, um, I can't remember what I felt like the first time I watched this episode. I will say that I think that uh, there was, I have always thought this, that there was no need to bring um, Apophis back. And I didn't have any desire for that to come. Um, uh, you know, so if, uh, you know, see here, can I say what I want to say without spoiling anything? Uh, sure, I can say this. You know, you could tell the stories that you're going to tell from this point on, uh, surrounding Apophis and this big honking army that he has, and not yeah. have it be Apophis, and D- it sure. would be fine. Um, and, and you could tell that's, would it be a little bit different? Probably. It'd be a little bit different if it was Sokar instead of Apophis. But there wasn't, I never found any, uh, strong reason and strong compelling reason to bring Apophis back into the mix after all of this. Uh, and so in that regard, I feel disappointed, uh, with this. That said, I do really enjoy even the reveal at the end of Jolinar's Memories of Apophis. I, I just, I, yeah. find, I find that really uh, great storytelling at that point in time.
0: Yeah, that moment was pretty good.
1: So um, I will say that one of the spots that I've always found humorous is in Jolinar's Memories when you have those big beefcakes with oil uh, trying to <laughs> battering ram the door down. And they've got this yeah. big piece of... of uh, I don't know some sort of uh, metal shard of something uh, sure. there, and they're banging it into it, and it to me every time I've watched it, it looks like they're going,
0: eh. yeah, oh, yeah, eh. yeah. I noticed that too. You know, so they're like because <laughs> they kind of pull wore, it way back you know? hard,
1: and then swing, and then at the last minute slow down so you tap, tap, and, and tap, and obviously I, I understand that you know you can't just. Really, take the full force of all of those guys into a door that is made out of plywood. Um, Right. You know, I I, I get that. So I'm not necessarily complaining about it, uh, but I am complaining about it. I've always thought that that was just like, Oh, come on, Beefcake. Do something strong. I mean, you're stronger than me. <laughs> Don't just look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Do something. You've got muscles. <laughs> Use them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, oh. I agree.
0: I noticed that scene myself and was like a little... Also, I mean, like, you know, like, I part of me is starting to wonder... Of all the beefcakes that they have, like, you know, I, I have not bothered to remember who is who, but I'm sure that I've seen them before because it looked like an awfully lot of the same motley prisoners that we saw in uh, that prison world last season.
1: Oh, that could like, be. Yeah.
0: I think, I think we saw a number of them again today.
1: That's or, entirely you know, possible. I saw them today. Okay, Brent, I yeah. think we have chewed on this long enough, mm-hmm. and it is time for that wonderful time of the episode where we give this our rating out of seven Nakoda. I mean, Chevron. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, See what I did there? I sure did. did. We haven't
0: had that mistake in a long time. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs)
1: Uh, So, uh, recognizing that we've got two episodes, uh, I'm encouraging you to give me uh, Jolinar's memories. Give me uh, uh, The Devil You Know. And yep. then give me your aggregate.
0: Sure. So Jolinar's Memories was uh, pretty fun and pretty engaging. And it ended on such a high note that I was wondering if this was going to be just, just a stirring, delightful two-parter. Um, brilliant set. Excellent acting. Good story. Uh, and it, it teed up the story in a, such a tantalizing way. So tantalizing that I could not wait to start watching that second episode. I give uh, Jolinar's memories a um, a six out of seven chevrons. It was good. It was good. And it was about to pay off so awesomely. And then I watched The Devil You Know, and it just, it started to take a tumble from the very start. Like right away when I was expecting uh, Apophis to be something of a changed person and only to see him... Uh, in just refocus his his silly, selfish, like power hungry ways, and then to have it play out the way that it played out and have it be completely uninspiring and have it be uh uh Easily thwarted, like every move that he made, every single move that he made was thwarted. He tried to get information the entire time, couldn't get any, and at the end, he was proven to be just a dumbhead, but somehow he managed to stick one guy with a sword, slash the other, and run to the transportation room because the bad guy was screaming, and that's how he gets to be the lead of the army. It's a two out of seven. This thing was just garbage. Not emancipation garbage, but bad. And as a result, the whole thing just flounders. It just flounders. And I'm like, I cannot say that I'm excited about how this thing's going to resolve. I'm excited for the show in general. But as a result of this thing, I mean, it took a lump to the side of the head. See, the whole thing, I'm giving it three out of seven, all in. Like, just not that good. Oh,
1: <clears throat> well, okay. Um... Brent, uh, I'll make this short and sweet for the first episode. Uh, I agree with yeah. you. I think that uh, uh, Jolinar's Memories is a six out of seven um, for the reasons, you know, it, it's great storytelling. Uh, I really just love the the opener of that one. I made a mm-hmm. note of that as as I was thinking, like, you know, um, uh, now I can't remember exactly how it goes, but uh, Martouf comes in, and he's got that look of, of seriousness on his face and you know gravitas and 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 yeah. and, and uh it's revealed that Selmac and jacob are in hell and yeah. uh, i mean that was splendid um and you know the the reveal of uh Neonach as apophis uh was great so i will give that first episode a six the devil you know um I think that you are being sufficiently harsh on this episode because it did not meet your expectations. Agreed. Um, I I think that you are probably going to surprise a lot of people out there. um,
0: With that too? With that too. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Probably.
1: (laughs) I'm going to give the second episode, The Devil You Know, uh, a 3.5. I'm going to give it a middling, right in the middle there, um, because uh, it's... It's right there. Um, there, There's nothing exciting about it, in my opinion, but there's nothing. uh, It's not as, uh, you know, grab your pitchforks and knives and chase it through the streets bad. Uh, uh, I I don't think it's that bad. (laughs) I disagree, but that's okay. That's okay. That's how we know we're different. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) we, We often agree on a lot of these things. Uh, Suffice it to say, Uh, aggregate then, if I look at those two, um, I'm going to give it a 4.5 as my aggregate. Uh, So for all of the various reasons they're in. Now, Brent, we do have a couple of predictions, if I can find them and pull them up here. Oh,
0: for ratings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: All right. Arnott tells us. Yeah. Yeah. As to the next two episodes, I predict, without having watched either recently, that both of you will rate it around a five or six chevrons, likely due to quality of story and, moreover, to story advancement, since skippability <laughs> is a large factor in Brent's ratings, and these episodes have none of that. You cannot skip these episodes. Uh, so, you know. Yeah, I.
0: I agree. I agree. I, I can see how the how yes, I can see how it is impossible to skip these episodes, and I'm still mad.
1: That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, and I also got a prediction from uh, David, uh-huh. and I have to find it now. He says, uh, "I was thinking for these two as a whole, he'll say Brent a six and me a 6.5. Wow. Um. And uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, Uh, Yeah. So (laughs) uh, I I think you all hit it pretty close to the first episode. And, you know, when you couple them together, uh, I I think the second episode does bring this first episode down a bit. Uh, Not to the degree that Brent does. Um, But,
0: Uh, you know, I've often wondered, though, if um, because you let me go first and you let me make my case as to why I feel one way or the other about it. If I don't end up kind of dragging you around with me, um, on some of these ratings, right? That's fair. Like, like, would you have rated it higher if I had been like, yeah, okay. Apophis, he's back. All right. Bad guy. Okay. And we gave him a bigger gun. Oh no, look out. You know, like instead I'm like dogging on it. Cause that's me.
1: Right. Well, um, Maybe we'll talk about that off air, and we'll swap places for a while.
0: Hey, there's an interesting idea. That's an interesting idea. I'll have to write my no I'll have to write my thoughts down first, though, because I because uh, I want to. Okay. I want to be like pure as the wind-driven snow.
1: All right. Well, Brent. <laughs> Brent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are at almost ninety minutes now. Hey, this was a two-parter. I we understand. had a lot to cover. I'm not complaining. Um, other than I am recognizing what time it is and what I have later on tonight going on. And, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, let's so wrap this it up. is time to move on. The next episode is called Foothold. hmm And this is the point in the podcast when I ask my good friend Brent, Brent, what is Foothold all about?
0: The SG-1 team travel through the Stargate to find themselves on a strange world. (laughs) Dr. Jackson is in his element because he looks up onto the side of a fantastic ancient building and he immediately sees some amazing cartouches carved into the walls. It appears to be an ancient Egyptian inscription that is providing yet more context to the four founding races that were doing their little powwow, I can't remember all who they are, Including a group that we haven't even seen yet. Whatever. And it's it's very interesting. But it's really up high. If only they had a foothold. I got an idea, says uh, O'Neill, whose rank I can't remember. Corporal? Colonel. No. Colonel. Colonel. Oh, I begin with a C. You
1: forgot that. Oh, man. It's late. Anyway,
0: Colonel O'Neill says, I got an idea. And he dials the gate and hops through. Moments later, the gate dials again. And Colonel O'Neill jumps through and... And he has by the ear, dragging along none other than Apophis. Yep, Apophis, Brent's favorite character to dog on, and to claim that is nothing more than a little bit of a stooge is back. Bend over here, says Colonel O'Neill. Thanks, <laughs> says Doc Daniel Jackson, and he uses Apophis as his foothold. The end.
1: The end. Okay. Oh, how I, to, I will tell yeah. you right now, without any. Uh, apology whatsoever, but <laughs> yeah. Apophis is not in this episode.
0: Okay, all right,
1: fine. All right,
0: <sighs> but he probably would have made a good foothold.
1: Uh, that, that's entirely possible.
0: Uh,
1: that, that's actually more of a, a like a, a foot stool or a stepping stool than a foothold.
0: I was imagining Daniel's foot being squarely implanted somewhere.
1: No, <laughs> well. <laughs> Hey. And on that note, let's watch the promo, shall we? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right, I'm hitting go now. Next time on Stargate SG-1, Stargate Command may have been compromised.
0: Once the invasion is complete, you may study them further. Only then will we know if this is a viable new home. Only Teal'c and Major Carter
1: are aware. They are not what they appear to be. There's been an alien incursion within the SGC. Oh no.
0: Major Carter reaches out to an unexpected source for help. Thank
1: you. So,
0: you came to the one person you don't trust. Oh, Mayfield!
1: But will Maymore. help arrive in time, or is it oh, yes. too late for Stargate Command? I like their armor. Oh. It's all next time on
0: oh, Stargate SG-1. Ho, 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 ho. Oh, no. Hey, nice effects, David. Ooh, that was fun.
1: There you go. Oh,
0: all right. Okay. No
1: Apophis, though. That's, that's No all. Apophis in that one. But we do have yeah, Mayborn, right. so there you go. Mayborn comes back uh, with Maborn's that. Mayborn's
0: back and there's going to be some
1: trouble.
0: Hey, now. Hey, now. The Mayborn's back. Are
1: Sorry. you quite finished? No, I'm not. I could go on for anyway. Yeah, Zach, that was
0: uh, so. uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So that is foothold, and we will uh, uh, talk about that next time. Uh, If you have differing opinions on these two episodes, (laughs) uh, please let us know what you think. Tell us. Uh, where we got it right, tell us where we got it wrong, tell us where Brent is a fool, tell us where <laughs> I'm a goofball, and uh, whatever. Uh, you can do that by uh, talking to us on Twitter, at Stargate Walking. Go to Facebook. We've got the Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page in group. Uh, most of the conversation happens in the group, so go there and... Uh, uh, join us for conversation and tell us where we, you can't believe that Brent gave The Devil You Know a 2 and I gave you a 3.5. Uh, tell us what you think about all of that stuff. Or you can email us at at gmail.com. That is... W A L K I N G T H R O U G H E T G H T H E S T A R G H E at gmail.com. Uh, don't add that extra E in there, because that's not going to no, work for you. No,
0: you'll, you'll get nowhere. You won't get, you won't get us, that's for sure. No, nope,
1: no. Nope. But uh, in any case, tell us what you think about this episode, um, and uh, join the conversation. Yeah. Uh, keep uh, sending us those reviews, and we will yes. uh, do that. Uh, keep sending us your predictions. Uh, do remember in your predictions that uh, when you email it to us, the first couple of lines of your email shows up in my uh, list of emails. So if you put something like Chevron encoding bias, so avoid Chevron encoding bias several times <laughs> and, and such that uh, your actual predictions get further down there, then, uh, then I don't have to worry about accidentally tripping over them. Um, when when we see them on the email or whatnot, yeah. So yes, uh, I think that we're finished, Brent. Yeah. So yeah, I'm ready to move along. Yep. With that, I'm Zach, and I'm Brent, and this has been walking through the Stargate. See you next time.
0: Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.